Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into GC Live Talking Tuesday. It is February 6, 2024, which means we are just over a month away until South Carolina begins spring football and we start to look ahead to the 2024 season. Now, as you guys all know, we always look ahead to the next season. We've been doing that since the end of the 2023 season. And today, we'll take a deeper look into South Carolina's offense. We're going to hit on some of the things that excite us about the offense on the surface, right, heading into the spring football. And then a couple things that are concerns. If you guys have any opinions on that, whether it be things you're looking forward to or things that worry you about this offense, let us know and we'll add you into the discussion. Before we get into that, though, Joe, a couple things I want to hit on before oh, yeah. we talk about the offense. One of which being a former offensive player for the Gamecocks and the performance that he had last weekend, and that is Spencer Rattler playing out of his mind at the Senior Bowl. And I'm not just talking about the game. I'm talking about the week itself. We saw some of that from a practice standpoint, as well as what some scouts had to say. Shared that on Gamecock Central. If you're a subscriber, you may have seen the story. If you're not, sign up today for just $1 for your first month, and you'll be able to get all that intel. We'll share some of that today, though, in case you missed it. In addition to that, Xavier Leggett banged up a little bit, wasn't able to play in the game, but still had a big week. We'll talk about X-Man. And in addition to that, We'll be hearing from South Carolina's newest players via the transfer portal. 20 of them are scheduled to speak to the media. First thing, Thursday morning, rise and shine, Joe. That'll take place Thursday. 20 of them will share who we're looking forward to hearing from the most. That includes Gilbert Edmond. Maybe uh, that's someone Gamecock fans are looking forward to. Maybe it's Brady Hunt and everything that took place in the offseason with him potentially going to Texas A&M. We'll get some details on that as well all right here we go joe let's talk about spencer rattler because we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet what spencer did at the senior bowl in the game itself being named mvp naturally people are going to look at that and they're going to say wow draft stocks through the roof that game and i'm not trying to discredit anything that spencer did that game itself that game itself not as important in comparison to what he was able to do throughout the entire week. And what I mean by that is from both a practice standpoint as well as meetings he had with NFL scouts, NFL teams just in general, some of the coaches, he was able to really raise his draft stock off the field as well. The thing about it is, and I've said this before, and my opinion about where I think he's going to get drafted, it really hasn't changed quite yet. I still think he's someone that will be a late day two, meaning third round, yeah. or an early day three guy. And the reason I say that is this is a very deep, deep quarterback class. And I think, unfortunately, unfortunately for Spencer, I think some teams are so fixated on certain players. Having said that, having said that, if Rattler does drop, if Rattler does drop to a day three, or even if he's late, uh, day two, being in that third round, whoever the hell picks him is going to get a freaking steal, a freaking steal. And as I've said many, many times before, I think the difference with Rattler with what we saw this past week, Joe, he is more NFL ready in comparison to a lot of these other players. Oh, the reason I say that is because, number one, he was battle tested at South Carolina. The inability to consistently block on the offensive line forced Rattler to have to do a lot, right? 
What did Dal Loggins always say? He's like spaghetti sauce. He can cover everything up. So he was forced to make things happen under a lot of pressure, which I think helped him this past week. You saw when other quarterbacks were under pressure, they looked like they were a fish out of water. But in addition to that, he had an opportunity to work with Dal Loggins, being able to work with an NFL, a former NFL offensive coordinator. So I say those things to say, if Rattler does drop in the draft, and I think people get all upset, you know, oh, people are haters. Mike, you're just saying you're a Why the hell do I, would I be a hater? I had a chance to talk to Spencer the other day. I mean, he's, he's on cloud nine right now, but he knows he still has a lot more work to get done. But having said that, I, I just think, unfortunately, there's going to be some teams that will look at the other quarterbacks because they just, in their minds, they're so fixated. I think if he goes to Indy, has an incredible pro day, which I anticipate him doing, not just on the field, but off the field. I really think he's going to continue to raise his draft stock, and that's why I, I truly believe he'll be a day two guy. I think he'll be able to raise, he'll be able to jump it up higher in that third round. And again, regardless of where he gets drafted, he's going to go to a situation. I mean, it's about the situation, right? Yep. It's not about exact. Oh, first round, the money's great, yeah. But you know what? I'd rather be in a good situation. Can help me out long term wise. That's oh, yeah. my. I mean, what's your overall thoughts though on, on where Spencer is based on after this this past week? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I mean, I think Spencer had a great week. I know we talked about this in length on my show, um, and I'm gonna you know rehash some of the things that we brought up because we had some pretty good discussion on that on on Sunday on the walkthrough. If you missed it, go back check it out as always. Uh, but yeah, happy to be on Talking Tuesdays as always, Mike. But yeah, uh, no, Spencer Rattler had a great week um, at the Reese's Senior Bowl. You know, um, one of the bigger you know criticisms that you hear of Spencer Rattler is. Oh, is, you know, his humility and all of this stuff that, that, you know, follow him from that darn show that he was in, um, in high school. And so, you know, I think by going to the senior bowl, being a class act throughout everyone else, um, in the, in the media and in, in college football are starting to see what kind of person that he actually is. Right. We got to see it up close and personal at South Carolina this past year, these past two years, really. Um, and so we know what kind of young man that, that Spencer Rattler is. Um, we know what kind of person he is. Um, and also what kind of player he is as well. But I think going to the senior bowl and, and pa passing everything with flying colors, not only on the field, Mike, like you mentioned, but also off the field, I think that's huge. Right. And, you know, it is a loaded quarterback class and you would think that, um, you know, Spencer is, isn't going to be towards the top as of now, but I, th I do agree with the statement that you made that, you know, he is one of the more pro ready guys, right. Battle tested at South Carolina, like you yep. mentioned. Um, and then also, you know, has experience playing with, you know, NFL caliber talent and Xavier Leggett. And then also, uh, you know, Dowell Loggins spent a lot of time in the NFL as well. So, uh, you know, Spencer being on being a late day two guy, uh, I have zero doubt. I think he's certainly going to climb up the ladder, especially with, you know, the work that he's going to put in in Indy. Um, and, you know, I, I, th I think those interviews are going to be really, really beneficial to Spencer, right? I think his teams are going to start to see what kind of person that he actually is. And then, you know, teams actually have the chance to get, you know, understand who 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 he is as a man also as a player um and so there is you know teams can leave zero doubt in their minds on you know what what the media or what other people on the internet have have you know portrayed spencer rattler to be so i think the senior bowl was great i'm so happy for spencer to you know get the mvp and all of that you know because it, it really is a true testament of all the work he had put in at south carolina no and now question. it's obviously building up um into his draft stock and you know Everything that Spencer is doing is helping. So far, so good, right? I, I have yet to see him, and I don't think, you know, he will do anything that's going to hurt his draft stock at this point, right? 
Um, you know, he, he, he battle tested through South Carolina through, it was a rough season last year, but again, his numbers stayed pretty consistent. Um, so yeah, I, I, all eyes on Spencer going into the draft again, I, I think he's going to move up too, like you do, Mike. Um, and you know, it, this, all of this stuff, and, and we're going to hear more of it, you know, coming out of the combine and stuff, I'm sure, um, on just, you know, how, how much of a 180 and all this stuff, but we, we've already known what kind of person he is too. Well, um, so yeah, like, and that's, and that's the thing, Joe. Joe, and that's the thing. So I mentioned it, I think, on your show on Sunday. I put it in the Gamecock Central article. If you guys are subscribers, you can head on over to GC and check it out. The story title, this was from two days ago. It's titled uh, Spencer Rattler's Senior Bowl Performance, Just a Small Part of, the, of a, a, a Successful Week. So I had a chance to talk with two NFL scouts who were there this past weekend. They had a chance to be able to catch up with him as well, as well as talk to other coaches and get just their input on what Spencer was doing, not just on the field, but off the field as well. And this is one thing that a scout told me, or one scout told me this, and I thought this was pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, He said, quote, heading into this past week, there were still people who looked at Rattler as if he was the same kid who from that quarterback documentary, a yeah. different NFL scout told me. It's comical, but that's what the draft does. Every storyline that's out there, even if it goes back to when a kid was in high school, you'll have people looking to dig into those stories more and more to see if there's something true to it. After this week, the notion that he's a kid with a crappy attitude or a bad teammate is starting to fade away more because more teams are having a chance to speak with him. From everything positive he did on the field this week, he did the same good off the field. If anything, people are going to have to find a different angle to criticize him. You watch, you watch how many people will start to bring up his lack of height. That's just how it works. But to me, that just goes to show he's proving people wrong. So I bring that up. Yeah. I bring that up to say, and again, I appreciate some of the scouts we had a chance to talk with this past weekend who had a chance to uh, speak with Spencer. I, I think what it shows is if you're hearing criticism in different areas, right? And there was some talk about his his height, and I know that sounds funny to some Gamecock fans. If you are familiar with the draft, you pay attention to it every year, you know that this is just part of it. It's part of it. I mean, height hand size, all these things, right? These metrics. I mean, we'll talk about Xavier again in a little bit. One of the knocks on him is that his hands aren't that big. I mean, come on. Yeah. So I bring that up because what was always the thing that we heard about, even before he arrived here, what was always Spencer's, the knock on Spencer? That he was a bad teammate, lacked character, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Well, fast forward two years later, or a year and a half at this point, and what's happened? Well, everything that was said about him was the complete opposite during his time at South Carolina. Whether that be from talking to, I mean, people, I think some people will look at what Beamer says, uh, Dow Loggins, some of the coaches say, and they'll be like, all right, that's enough for me. But naturally, there's some people that will listen to and they're like, eh, that's not enough. You hear it from the players, though. You're from some very, very credible players at that. To carry on Joyner, Luke Doty, guys who have tremendous character, tremendous character in the way that they not only spoke about Spencer, but the praise they gave him. So I bring that up because now that you're starting to see pivots, and like this scout said, you watch how quickly there's going to be a different angle to criticize him for. And the reason why is because, like I said, for some teams, in their heads already, they already know who they want to draft. In their heads already. 
Yep. And by looking at Spencer, and they, this goes back months, months, months with evaluating players. They don't want to get out of their head like, oh, you know, they don't want to be wrong is what I'm trying to get at. Because certain scouts, they go back, they report to their higher-ups, they report to the GM, and for some of these scouts, they've been pounding this drum, Joe, for a long time. And now it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not the case? Okay, we need to figure out a different angle. So that's why I say that. There's things that, unfortunately, Spencer, regardless of what he does, it's going to be difficult for him to break through with certain teams. And you know what? Honestly, I wouldn't want to be part of those franchises. I wouldn't want to be part of those franchises. There's no. 30 teams. All you need is one team to fall in love with you. So that's why I bring that up because yeah. when people see the week that Spencer had and they still see that there's some criticism out there about him, that's the reason why. You see certain reporters, right? You see certain reporters. I'm not trying to put a tinfoil hat on. I mean, I've been doing this for you know over – over a decade, I've had a chance to cover the NFL Combine. There's certain reporters out there that have agendas because they have relationships with certain agents. So they want to put out certain messages too. They want to be able to help out. So that's why if you see certain things said about Spencer that are negative, even after a week like this, yeah. that's just the reality of it. It happens. Again, you watch how quickly people are going to start to pivot to find a, d- a different angle, like that scout said, to criticize them about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the nature of the media too, all right, uh, when you have this preconceived villain, right? Because Spencer's been conceived as a villain for as long as he's been in college football ever since that show. Um, and like I, like I said earlier, you know, we've gotten to see what kind of person that he he is and what kind of, you know, uh, you know, ball player he is, leader, all that stuff. And South Carolina fans alike as well. But, you know, now he's on the national stage right now. He has the opportunity to change minds of other people. Um, and I think, you know, I, teams are going to notice that, too. Right. When when somebody is a complete 180 from what, you know, they're pegged out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, that's obviously going to help Spencer as well. Mike, I mean, I don't know if you have a team in mind, uh, you know, cause you said he, he should go to, to a, a good fit, right? You want it, you want to be in a good fit. And I think for a quarterback, especially when you're looking at the day two, kind of later day two ish, um, range, you know, it's all about the fit. Do you have a specific fit in mind? I, I didn't mean to drop this on you right away, but, um, you know, is there a particular couple two, three teams that you have in mind that would be a good fit for Spencer? Cause I, I mean, I'm still thinking about it. Um, at the, off the top of my head, but um, you know, I, I I think he fits into a couple different systems. So without getting too caught up on the draft order and everything like that, but like I said, I mean, if this is a guy that is still around in the third round, right? Third round, yeah. early fourth round, doesn't matter at that point. Even if it's into the second round for a lot of these teams, mm-hmm. I, I think one team that stands out to me is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think the reason why is when you look at how things played out with Jalen Hurts, Hurts went into a situation where he he really had to climb his way up the depth chart. And he did that fairly quickly. And I say that because not to say that Spencer's coming in and replace Spence, I mean uh, uh Jalen Hurts right away. The reason I say that is I look at a situation where wherever Rattler goes, and I've said this before. I don't think teams are going to be looking to draft Rattler with the mindset of, okay, we're building our franchise around him. What's going to happen is Rattler is going to go to a situation where he's going to be competing for that number two job. 
He's going to be a number three, number two guy coming in, and he's going to be competing for that number two job. And as we know, if we go back and walk, look at the NFL last year, the injuries that took place to the quarterback position, backups were always playing at some point. At some point last season, every team had a backup going in. So I bring that up, whether someone was hurt or whether that was a decision from the coaching staff. So I say that because I think with a situation like Philadelphia, they look, Jalen did some great things last year. And that's not to say, okay, Rattler's coming in to take his position, but I just feel like it would be a good fit, right? A good fit. That's what I'm looking at. Competition, all that stuff aside, you know, that's a different story. There's something about Philadelphia that I really like. And I mean, it it kills me to say that because I'm not a huge Eagles fan by any means. But um, but I think that would be a good situation. I think with him, I think with him, you want bringing in someone like Rattler, where you have already an established starting quarterback, right? Yes. An established starting quarterback, and he's going to go in there. He's not going to have to get thrown into the mix right away. It's going to allow him to get some growth. I like I've said before, I feel like he's NFL ready in the sense that there's a lot of things that he learned with Dow already. That's going to allow him to be ahead of the head of the curve at the same time too, you know, there's going to be things that he's going to have to learn. It's a different game. It's a different speed. There's different playbooks, philosophies, all those things. So I say that because I think being able to go into a situation, I know someone mentioned the Panthers going to a situation where he doesn't have to be the guy right away. And you know what? If the guy ahead of him, never mind injury-wise, but he goes to a place where the guy ahead of him is just not panning out, whether it be a veteran quarterback, whether it be a guy that they're trying to build their franchise around, I think Spencer's going to be ready to go. So that's how yeah. I feel about Spencer. I mean, we could look at multiple teams. We could throw out names. But to me, Philadelphia is one that stands out. Obviously, there's a relationship between Jalen and Rattler. Uh, Rattler even mentioned it, I think, in an interview with the NFL Network at the beginning of last week, how much he learned from Jalen during Jalen's uh, one year in Oklahoma. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I see some people throwing around the Jets. I could see him, you know, being a fit at the Jets. We know their current quarterback situation. Obviously, you got Aaron Rodgers coming back, but you really well. Don't that would be great. I that know. would be a perfect I, one because look, I agree. There's I been agree. there's been talks about there's been talks about the Jets uh, dealing Zach Wilson. So if Wilson's out of the mix and you have Aaron Rodgers there, let's say Rodgers plays another two years, and that's just assuming that he comes back and he's able to be healthy, right? He plays two more years. Who better to learn from in today's game, in today's game, than a guy like Aaron Rodgers? Um, Obviously, Pat Mahomes is incredible from an athletic standpoint, but just from a knowledge standpoint, you can't even compare anyone else right now in the game because of how many – Different coverages Rodgers has seen over the years. I mean, we talk about it with Tom Brady all the time when he played. He saw every freaking coverage under the sun. And he talked about it later in his career that it just helped him process things and slow the game down a hell of a lot easier because he saw everything. So I think being able to learn from a guy like Rodgers would be great. So, yeah, the yeah. Jets would be another one. That yeah, be Travis. One. I agree. Yeah, the Jets. And then he also mentions of all the QBs in the draft, I think Spencer would be best suited for a big market. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I I mean, obviously, Caleb Williams spent time in L.A., so he kind of gets it. But yeah, no, I mean, I think Spencer's maturity, he understands what it takes to be a football player. Right. I think, you know, that maturity obviously has shown 
um, and his transfer to South Carolina. I think, you know, it took a lot of humility to do that, right. To, you know, find a better situation and, and go to a school, brand new school like South Carolina that hasn't really won. And Travis, um, but he mentions the big market, yeah. Joe. Yeah. I mean, I covered the Patriots last year working in the Boston market. Yep. It's much different. It's much different than this market. And I love my yeah. colleagues. I love my colleagues down here. Obviously, it's apples to oranges because you're comparing pro to, to college. So there's not as much blowback, I feel like, when things aren't going as well. Um, but I say that because in New York, yeah, I mean, New York, Boston, Chicago, awesome. when you're L.A., when things aren't going well, they go for your head. Having said that, we heard the way that Spencer talked this year in the way that he was able to handle the media. And again, not that they were going for his head in comparison to what it would be like working you know, in New York or um, I think he's very mature with it. So, you know, sorry to cut you off with that, Joe, but I want to make yeah. sure I didn't forget that because I think Travis is right. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with him. Um, and so, yeah, I like the Jets, the Eagles. Obviously, that would hurt me um, as a Bears fan for the double doink. But, um, you know, I, I think Spencer Rattler is going to, you know, do good in whatever system he ends up. Um, you know, he, he is ready to put his head down and work. And I think, you know, not being one of the number one quarterbacks or, or, you know, kind of being, I guess, slept on in a way, um, is even more motivation for him, right. To get into a system and just, you know, be Spencer Rattler, do Spencer Rattler type things, um, and, and trust his game too, right. Know that his game can take him to a lot of places as it has in the past. Right. So, um, you know, I think this is a good situation for Spencer. There won't be a whole lot of pressure and he kind of get, just gets to make a name for himself. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And then whenever, you know, his time may come as, as a number two or, you know, say the starter gets hurt or something like that. Um, he'll be ready for it. Right. So I think, you know, there's not a whole lot of pressure on him, um, especially being projected as a late day two guy. Um, so I, I think it's, it's an ideal situation because then, then again, you're, you know, you know that you're going to, you're probably going to go to a better situation, right? You're not, you know, going to a, a team that's, you know, QB thirsty necessarily and, and not a good fit for you. So um, certainly a lot of Saints things is another one. Saints is yeah. another one. I'm glad you brought that up, Craig. I do want to read one more quote from an NFL scout that I spoke to this past weekend. I didn't include this in the quote, but they were someone um, that mentioned they could see the Saints being interested. That doesn't mean that this scout works for the Saints. Um, but they brought that up and I thought that's interesting. Joe, real quick, real quick. Cause I want to continue to move things along, but this is what that yeah, scout sorry. had to say. This is a different scout after Spencer's performance. Of course, a perfect four for four in the Reese's senior bowl, MVP honor, 65 yards, throwing through a touchdown pass back of the end zone. Uh, the scout said, quote, it wasn't just what he was able to do on the field this week that impressed people. He was impressive to talk to as well. He came across as a very mature and knowledgeable and um, knowledgeable young man yeah, who has the natural ability to lead. So I bring that up because th those are the things that we talk about when you're oh, looking yeah. at the quote unquote CEO of your company. Right. And when you're the quarterback, that's essentially what you are, whether you're the backup or not, that's what you're striving to be. So I thought that quote, I mean, it really stood out to me uh, based on, again, having those conversations with some of the scouts from this past weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good to see, you know, everything that we've seen from Spencer um, since he's been at South Carolina, just showing, right? We know what kind of young man that he is. So I'm um, happy for Spencer. It's good stuff.
Oh, lost audio. Xavier Leggett, Joe, didn't yeah. play the game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said before, the practice itself is what's more important. Yes. Conversations that these players have with teams is more important. I wouldn't be too concerned about the soreness in his ankle. It happens. It's a business decision. He wasn't the only one that didn't play in the game. Yeah, I know he left practice early. When I say left practice early, he chose that. Not, not too concerned about that. What he's going to have to do, though, moving forward, is just continue to continue to show that he has the ability to do more than just run deep routes. And I thought that he did that. I thought he did a lot of good things underneath. I thought he, and we saw it obviously at South Carolina. He's not just someone that can line up on the outside. You look at that size, you look at that, that speed, and you think, all right, that's a guy that can only play outside. That's a guy that can only run down the field. No, he's someone that can also run slants, drag routes, come across the middle. He did that, especially on Wednesday. Helps when, you know, Spencer Rattler is your quarterback in college and you're also catching passes from him because he's on the same page as you. I thought there's a lot of good things that Xavier did. When you look at Xavier, Joe, I mean, how 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 much do you think he was able to raise his draft stock this week? And oh. he couldn't see it still being where it was from this past week. Before I mean, he- I certainly think it's a little bit higher, right? Um, you know, being able to same thing with Spencer, right? Going network. That's essentially what these guys are doing at the Senior Bowl. They're networking. Um, you know, showing, giving teams another chance to kind of see him up in person, get to know him better, um, you know, see what they're made of. I think him not playing in the game, like you said, Mike, was a business decision. A lot of people didn't do that. Um, a lot of star players have done that in years prior. You know, they'll go down for the festivities, practice, and then um, not try to risk it in the game, which, you know, absolutely it's a business decision. Um, you know, you're potentially playing for millions and millions of dollars um, in your draft stock and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I don't blame XL. I, I think it's a good business decision because if he tweaks it even worse – Right. I think it's a it's a big problem. Right. And then you're wondering, all right, is he, you know, hurt? And then then he gets to the combine and that's all the questions he's receiving, you know, by not playing in the game. I think, you know, it gives you an advantage. It squashes a lot of the question marks about, um, you know, is he still hurt or anything like that? Teams know that you have time to heal up and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, XL did a lot of good stuff, you know, off the field as well, um, you know, but looked really good in practice. His draft stock was already pretty high. Um, after you know his season at South Carolina, and I think it's even it's going to improve um, more and more at the combine as well. But in, in as well as I do, the combine, you know, there is a lot weighing on the combine, especially for a guy like Xavier Leggett, um, you know, who you know is rising up draft boards right now. Um, so there, there's a lot more on the combine than there is on the Senior Bowl. Yes, granted, he didn't play in the Senior Bowl, but again to be fully healthy for the combine and and to be able to go through those workouts, you know, without a hitch um, is, is very, very valuable. So um, I I think his draft stock went up, um, but did it go up that much? No, but do I think playing in the game uh, would have made that much more of an impact? No, I I really don't. I think, you know, a lot of Xavier Leggett's climbing is going to come from the combine in those interviews and on the field stuff. Um, and, And like I said, you know, he's already pretty high up on draft boards for certain teams. Um, so I, I don't think playing in the game really, really made a difference. No. And again, some of the things that he was able to do in practice this week, I think if it, 
if it did anything, it just showed his versatility, right? It showed his versatility that he's not just a one-trick pony. And like I mentioned before, his size, his speed. We did that interview with Field Yates from ESPN back in the fall, and as Field mentioned, when it comes to the NFL draft, what people need to remember is it's about projections. It's about being able to predict, okay, where can we see this guy in three years, four years from now? with our program. What can he do if he comes to our organization? Where is the growth? It's not about, all right, what did a guy do in college, right? Because if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, as we all know, outside of Xavier's final year at South Carolina, he didn't really do much leading up to that point. However, what did he do this past season? Well, he put some good tape out there. He proved what he's capable of doing, but it also shows NFL teams, man, his ceiling is so much higher than what people had thought it was going to be before heading into this year. So I think more than anything, like you mentioned, have good pro days coming up, be able to test out well, continue to interview well. His story is just so incredible. All the adversity he's gone through in such an incredible person. I think it, it's it's only going to continue to go up. Um, I think he's someone, I mean, we talked about how deep the quarterback class is. Wide receiver is another position. Wide receiver, offensive line, those three positions in particular, deep, deep, deep classes. So where he ends up, I think right now I could see him being a a second-round guy, day-two guy, an early day-two guy to a mid-day-two guy, but it all just comes down to, you know, which team falls in love uh, with him. Because you look at the wide receivers and, you know, some of the wide receivers that are projected to be drafted ahead of them. I mean, there's some some talented guys. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., he could be a top five pick this year. So I say those things because, God forbid, I mean, you talk about your Bears, Chicago Bears, they could make some moves. They could trade some, some picks around. They could move around a little bit. How could that impact some of the teams behind them in just the pecking order as far as, okay, who's going to take a wide receiver, which wide receiver is available. So those are all things, too, to pay attention to. It just comes down to, again, as cliche and as corny as it sounds, which team falls in love with Xavier the most, which could impact him being able to go up a little bit higher as far as being drafted. All right, plenty of draft talk there. Oh, yeah. Joe, I want to pivot. On Thursday, we're going to hear from the new players. Yep. And to me, and when I say new players, I'm talking about the transfer portal ones. Mm-hmm. Right now, there is what? There's 20 guys that are scheduled to meet with us bright and on early Thursday morning. What's that? Bright and early, baby. Shane bright and early. Shane bright and early. Give us any time to get any coffee, man. I'm telling you. It's all right, intern Joe. We can, we are, we are, we swing are, by Bojangles. Swing by Bojangles yeah, or absolutely. one of the places over there. Go get your coffee. Time, I mean, just wake up early. Yeah. That's all I got to do. Well, if you're in Massachusetts, there's literally a Dunkin' Donuts at every yeah. freaking corner, but that's not the case down here. They don't know how to make Dunkin' Donuts down here either, but that's a different story. Anyway, having said all that, having said all that, I think naturally Gilbert Edmond is the most yeah. intriguing player to hear from simply because – we haven't heard from him since he came back to South Carolina. We heard from Shane Beamer, uh, Shane Beamer that gave a six-minute answer about Gilbert come back into the program and his thoughts. 
I anticipate Gilbert being very humble. Um, I anticipate Gilbert expressing his gratitude to not just Shane Beamer, but to the program, to the players for welcoming him back. And someone that's just hungry to do whatever he can to help the team. Aside from Gilbert, probably Brady Hunt. I'm intrigued to hear the most from. There was rumbles that, okay, wait a minute. And Chris Clark came out. We heard other. Gilbert, uh, things aren't finalized now. Could he be going to Texas saying there there was a shift for a little bit? And ultimately, he ended up at South Carolina. So those two stand out to me. I don't know if there's anyone else, Joe, that stands out to you. I mean, maybe Rocket. Yeah, because he's hanged so, up right now, seeing how he's doing with his injury. So I'm in a sling at the basketball yeah. game about what two weeks ago, week and a half ago. Yeah, I think it was two weeks ago. Um, yeah, I mean Brady Hunt and um, oh my gosh, yeah. So Brady Hunt's my guy, and then Gilbert Edmond as well. Um, those are the two main ones. Uh, I, I'm also interested to see, you know, how Brady sees you know himself fitting into this tight end room. Um, we're gonna get to the good and bad of the offense here in a second, and so that's that's part of that. But yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously Rocket seeing his health, um, also, you know, talking to the other two running backs because this is a fresh running back room, Mike, um, you know, completely redone. Obviously you have a new coach, a lot of new guys in there. I think Juju McDowell is one of the only guys that's sticking around. Uh, so it's completely fresh. And so to get, you know, kind of an idea of where that running back room sits so far, I mean, obviously they're not very far, you know, into, um, into play, but I, I think, uh, yeah, the running backs is going to be one thing. Brady Hunt, Gilbert Edmond as well. Um, you know, I think Gilbert is going to get most of the attention tomorrow and deservedly so. And, um, you know, it's not going to shock me when Gilbert, you know, answers it all and takes it all like a champ. I mean, I think, you know, um, he's been prepared for this. Uh, and, you know, he's got to face, I guess, the music, if you will. I don't know if it's going to be super critical of him coming back. Um, but, you know, he's he's got to be prepared for the questions of, you know, why did you come back and, and yeah. stuff like that and, and those relationship questions. And, you know, knowing the kind of young man that, that Shane has, you know, spoke about with Gilbert coming back and, like, how he's handled it, it's not going to surprise me when he handles it pretty well. Uh, so, yeah, Gilbert, Brady Hunt. Um, I also – Kyle Kennard, uh, you know, these defensive linemen, I also kind of want to see, you know, how how they're fitting into this system as well as, you know, how how they're liking playing with, you know, Tonka, Boogie, and then also, you know, what they're seeing out of Dylan Stewart. You know, that's going to be a name to watch. We're not talking to Dylan Stewart because it's not freshman tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, getting an early, you know – because a lot of these guys too, especially on the defensive side, when you ask them about their teammates, they open up. So getting kind of an early – I guess um, if, if we, if it's pot, I mean, if these guys will give us anything on a freshman, just kind of get an early, you know, grip of that. But yeah, I mean, it's mostly just Brady Hunt, Gilbert Edmond. Those will two, that'll be the main story out of tomorrow. I think Mike. So I want to share in case people are interested to know exactly who is talking again, we kind of gave you that rundown, but in case you want to see it yourself, see if we can, Share the screen. Okay. I'll try to work on that so you guys can see the names, but 20 transfers. 20 transfers expected to speak. And those are going to start at 9 a.m. Oscar Attaway, Robbie Ashford, David Bibble, Jared Brown, Juwan Howell, Amari Huggins Bruce, Gerald Kilgore. That's another one that'll be interesting. Joe, I think a lot of people are interested to hear from Kilgore. 
uh, Gage Lavendane, Buddy Mack, and then Raheem Rocket Sanders rounds out the 9 a.m. group. And then you have another 10 starting up at 10.30. Kamar Bell, Gilbert Edmond, Monkel uh, Goodwine, Brady Hunt, DeAndre Jules, Bignali Kamar, uh, Kyle Kennard, Demetrius Knight Jr., Aaron Parks, and Torricelli Simpkins the third will be in that 1030 group as Ashford well. Ashford will be interesting to talk to Mike as well. Yeah. Um, I did kind of forget about him again. It's the offseason. We're dealing with basketball, football, baseball all at the same time. So some of these names get uh you know washed through. But I think, you know, Ashford just, you know, kind of what he thinks about the quarterback room, why, you know, he decided to come to South Carolina because, you know, there were a lot of guys in the portal that they were eyeing up, had visited and stuff like that, that were, you know, kind of taken aback and, and didn't choose South Carolina. So it'll be interesting to kind of get his thought process behind why he chose South Carolina, why he wanted the competition um, and, and, and that kind of thing. So just kind of picking his brain a little bit on the quarterback room is going to be interesting because we're going to get to the offense here in a second. And quarterback is certainly, I, I guess, an area of concern, if you will. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting seeing what, 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 what went behind Ashford's decision to come here. Let's go right into it now. Yeah, Let's talk about our concerns about this offense as well as what we're looking forward to the most. Let's start off with some positive, right? Let's bring some positivity back into this program if anyone feels like there hasn't been enough of it today. Intern Joe, lead us off. Give me one thing. Give me one thing that intrigues you about this offense heading into the spring. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that intrigues me about this offense, uh, I mean, I'm going to give you two, mostly because I'm really confident about one of them, and then there's a second one that kind of could swing both ways. But obviously, I'm confident about the running back room. I think it's a clean slate. It's been a position that South Carolina has, you know, been, you know, mediocre at best. I mean, you've had some good seasons under Shane Beamer at running back, but you know, nothing spectacular. You have a fresh coach. You've got three brand new running backs that are really, really capable of, of making, you know, noise. Uh, obviously, Rocket Sanders headlining that. Uh, so I think that's one thing that intrigues me. Um, the only thing there that, that you know, uh, you know, is, is a, a negative is that all these guys are, you know, unproven at South Carolina. It helps that Rocket's proven in the SEC. Um, and I think, obviously, you're going to lean on him. And then Juju McDowell, where does he fit? I think, you know, he's a really big advantage to this room as well. Um, so having a lot of guys that are capable of, you know, establishing a rushing game. And then obviously um, the new running backs coach um, has coordinator experience as well. So, uh, you know, he's going to be all in on the offensive end. So I think, you know, that the running back position intrigued me. And then also, I guess my second one or or one A, if you will, is a tight end room, right? You have a guy like Brady mm-hmm. Hunt, who's, you know, done really good things against SEC opponents at Ball State. And then you, you're returning a guy like Josh Simon, who, you know, got mentored by Trey Knox, who fantastic mentor, fantastic, you know, SEC football player. Uh, you have two veterans leading a group of young guys. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, how that pans out. And then what, I guess, third young guy steps up because, you know, really there's only room for two or three tight ends to actually make it into the game. Obviously, Hunt and Simon are leaned upon the the, the top two, but um, the third guy to make it up, it'll be interesting, will be Elskins. Um, you have a lot of fresh guys, Reed McKeeza, um, in that room. So it'll be interesting. I think the tight end play will certainly be elevated when you have a guy like Hunton and Simon bringing what he learned from Trey Knox into the room. So, yeah, kind of a 1A and 1B, if you will, Mike. Yeah, I mean, for me, it starts with the offensive line. The experience at that position, despite the fact that Trey Jones within the last couple of weeks and Tyshawn Wanamaker have decided to step away from the program. But they have so much depth still 
on the offensive line. I, I shared this probably about a month ago on Gamecock Century. You can go back and take a look at my early breakdown of South Carolina's 2024 offensive line. We need to add one more player to that that they've been able to pick up since we wrote that story. And we'll be able to, I think it was Bell. Um, Kamar Bell joined South Carolina after we posted that story. But with him coming in on top of the other players that they've been able to add, right? I mean, we talk about Torricelli Simpkins and we talk about just the freshmen that have been developed, the rising sophomores, the Trevon Baas of the world, the Aluatosin Bubalades of the world. On top of that, having a guy like Henry back on the offensive line because of the injury that Kaysen went through last year. You have more depth, more experience on the offensive line than you certainly had from a year ago. And I think that's the biggest part that South Carolina struggled with last year is that as soon as injuries started to happen, and obviously you pray to God that there's no injuries in the spring, there's no injuries heading into the game uh, week one or just in general, but that was something that happened to South Carolina early. Lose the left tackle in the spring game. Lose the right tackle a couple series in against North Carolina. And at that point, it was musical cheers galore. So that excites me, I think, the most in just trying to figure out what that pairing will look like. On top of that, Joe, I think the other thing that excites me about the offense is the fact that you have Dow Loggins back. Now, it's going to be interesting because Dow's really going to have to work. I mean, he's really going to have to show how talented he is because he doesn't have Spencer Rattler back from a year ago. And how can he help a younger quarterback if it is indeed Lenora Sellers? And if it's not someone like Sellers, if it's someone like Robbie Ashford or Dante Reno, whatever the case may be, regardless, Sellers aside, you're going to have someone that doesn't know the playbook and they're going to have to get caught up to speed on it, right? So what can you do to speed that process up? Right. You're either going to have to go with a young quarterback or you're going to have to go with someone that's getting caught up to speed on a playbook that they were not in a couple months ago. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I do feel like with what we saw from Dowell last year, there was a lot of good things, despite the fact of some of the inconsistencies, whether it be the inability to block consistently on the offensive line or the injuries that piled up at the running back position. South Carolina still did some good things offensively. I know towards the end of the year, right, the Clemson game, they weren't able to get things going. But let's also make let's also make note that they were going up against you know decent defenses too, some pretty good defenses at that as well. So I think that part of it is going to be intriguing. What can he do to help either a young quarterback or a quarterback that's new to the system yeah. next year? Having said that, let's look at some things that concern us. I'll let you lead us off. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple things here, Mike, and you're probably going to offer a rebuttal to this, but I think the wide receiver room is an area of concern, right? You bring in a bunch of transfers, but none of them, I mean, a couple guys that have number one experience and right. I, I'm, I'm ready to be proven wrong on this point. I think these guys are going to get in there, mesh well together and, and be fine by the time of summer ball. But at this point, I, I think the, the wide receiver room is an area of concern simply because these guys are all fresh on campus and now Nick Harbor, he was also in my honorable mention for areas of intrigue, right? I think, you know, he's good enough to eventually be the number one 
on this offense, but I don't know if he's ready quite yet to be the number one, right? So the question for me is, in the area of concern is who is going to step up to be that number one receiver, right? Because yep. Nick Harbour, I think, is a fantastic number two option, and he's he'll be great in the slot, big body, move him around anywhere you want on the offense, really. Um, and But he's really the only established guy in that room at this moment, at, at, or at least at South Carolina, right? Um, and again, I, it's an area of concern because, you know, just, just for now, I, I think it's going to take care of itself. You're going to have guys step up. Jared Brown uh, being one of them. I'm looking at him, Gage Larvidane as well. Um, another potential to, to, to be that number one guy, number three guy. Um, but, you know, I think Harbor's in the mix for sure, either one, two, or three. Um, he's going to see the field a lot, especially um, with what he's doing in track. I mean, what he's doing in track is ridiculous. Um, so Nick Harbour is not of my area of concern at wide receiver. I also had the QB room down um, simply because, you know, again, same thing with the wide receiver room. Nobody has proven it yet. Um, yep. You know, Lenore Sellers has been really, 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 really good against the twos. And I also had the quarterback room, you know, in the good too, because, you know, Sellers looks like he's ready right? You know, he looks like he's ready to make that jump, but he hasn't proven himself yet against the ones, right? The, my whole thing I've been saying against Lenore Sellers, you know, obviously he's done great against the twos. All that tells me is that, you know, he's ready to go against the ones. So no established talent, right? Or, or, or you know, somebody that you can look upon and be like, all right, he's seen SEC football. He knows what he's doing, you know, really established. We trust him so much, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that they don't trust Lenore Sellers by any means. I think they trust every quarterback in that room, whoever they're going to send out there. But again, just not proven yet. And by the time we get to the summer, it's probably going to be gone. And uh, but yeah, just no, no real. Uh, playing experience. I think Ashford helps certainly, um, you know, playing in the SEC. He's gotten some experience for sure, but not a whole lot of um, experience as a starter long-term. So again, I, again, the uh, experience there is just my only area of concern. Do I think they're going to be fine? Yeah, absolutely. I think Lenore Sellers is the real deal. But again, just at this point where we are in February, um, certainly an area of concern. We'll see. I think the spring is certainly going to help with that. I think Lenore Sellers is going to do some good things in the spring and summer and whatnot. And that quarterback room is going to take more shape. But as of now, right, we just have the names that are in the room and it's starting to develop. So quarterback room is also up there with the wide receivers. But I mean, Mike, those are real in, in terms of the offense. Those are two, um, you know, areas of concern, if you will. And like I said, they're not, they probably will work themselves out, especially that wide receiver room. It'll take shape. But as of now in February, those are my two areas of concern. So let's, let's look at the wide receiver room. Cause you bring that up and I agree with you. I think yep. the thing about the wide receiver, receiver room that and you, and you hit on it mm -hmm. is the most concerning part is who is going to be your number one guy now we could sit here and just like say and i've said this before yeah i assume jared brown will be the number one like mm -hmm. that's the guy based on what he did at coastal carolina that's what i can see happen having said that will it be able to play out that way will he be able to replicate what he was able to do for the Shauna Clears, and will he be able to elevate his game? If it's not Jared Brown, who is that guy? Because I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not sold on Nick Harbor being a number one wide receiver heading into his sophomore year. I'm just not yet. And that's. And again, it's okay if Harbor is not at the number one level yet. It's okay. Totally it's okay. okay. Now they need someone. They need someone. And being able to bring in the receivers that they brought they brought in, and a lot of them, and you look at some of the things that Huggins Bruce did, Larvardy, a lot of it is more slot work. That's not to say that's not to say that one of these wide receivers can't go out wide. And that's also not to say 
that a guy like Harbor can't play in the slot. I think they're all going to be interchangeable. If there's anything that we learned from last year with how this offense operated, especially with the injuries that happened early on in the season with Juice Wells and the emergence of Xavier Leggett, they're not afraid to move guys around. And honestly, at the college level, that's what you want to be able to do because not only can it help your team, uh, but – the other part of it, it can help your stock in the long run. I mean, that's why earlier when we were talking about Xavier Leggett and what he's able to bring to the next level, he's someone that is very versatile. And the other thing about it, too, is when you look at the way Dal Loggins calls offense of plays, the way that he operates, and I feel like we'll continue to see this this season, especially with the quarterback situation, young quarterback, as I mentioned before, or quarterback that's still learning the system because he's new to it. You don't have to be Mike Tyson. You don't have to be Holyfield. And what I mean by that is you don't have to be an offense that comes out there and you're always just hitting the haymaker. You're always hitting the bomb, right? The deep play. It's okay to be finesse. It's okay to be a boxer. That jabs a little bit. And with South Carolina, with what we saw from Dow Loggins last year, they're okay with doing the short passes, doing the jabs with that boxing analogy. It's okay to do that. You have to work with, and, and Dow mentioned it last year when he was hired during his introductory press conference. And if it wasn't his introductory press conference, it was one of his first press conferences he had shortly after arriving to South Carolina. When asked, what can we expect from the offense? What's his offensive philosophy? And one of the first things that he said is, we have to base our our scheme around the talent that we have, the players that we have. And I've made this analogy before. might not be the greatest one in the world, but you can't go into a kitchen expecting to make a steak dinner if you only have some fruity pebbles and some milk. You know, you have to work with what you got. Yeah. I think for the South Carolina team, they have a lot of players that, okay, height might not be the biggest, but that's all right. That's okay. Outside of someone like Nicholas Harbour, when we're looking at that wide receiver room. I, I think you're going to see a team that's going to use their speed more than anything. Oh, yeah. And I think they're a team, and we talk about RPOs. I don't want to go RPO happy here and go crazy with it, mm-hmm. but they're going to use their speed. And if they do have someone like Sellers back there, Robbie Ashford is someone also that has the ability to run. Reno showed that at the high school level. We'll have to wait and see how that translates to the college game, though. That's why I want to pump my break a little bit on what Reno can do as a run threat, simply because we'll just wait and see. But at least with those two players, if you're using a lot of RPOs and we saw that last year too, but I think we'll see more RPOs this year. We'll see South Carolina really take advantage of their speed and trying to put, when you're talking about RPOs, you're talking about trying to put that outside linebacker. Sometimes it can also be uh, the dog. We would call it the safety coming down the box, depending on what teams like to call their, um, you know, that guy, we, we call it the dog at the high school in, uh, at Assumption. But I say that because you're trying to figure out, okay, what's that guy doing? You're trying to read him. And with the speed that South Carolina has, not just at the quarterback position with those two players, 
but the speed that they were able to bring in on top of the speed that they have, even a guy like Luke Doty, there's things that I feel like South Carolina can really take advantage of. And on top of that, Joe, guess what? If you're able to do some RPOs and take advantage of putting uh, outside linebackers and the dogs in some tough situations in terms of trying to read and figure out what you're doing, guess what? You can also run the football. In South Carolina, they are not short for talent back there. And I think this brings us over to your second point, which I kind of hit on a little bit before. Yeah, I have concerns about the quarterback position too. I understand that you have a good portion of this fan base that that is ready to march down Main Street with their goggles on and they're ready for sellers, and I totally understand it. I mean, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a lot of fun to watch. You should be excited based on the small sample size that we got, not just from last year in the limited action that we saw him in games, but what he was able to do in the spring game. He is a very gifted and talented individual. Having said that, Having said that, you're replacing a guy who just won the MVP honors at the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's got big shoes to fill. And he is also losing a very talented wide receiver with Xavier Leggett moving on and going into the next level. So what help he can get? In that wide receiver room will be huge. What help he can get up front on the offensive line can be huge. The run game, of course, can help him out or whichever quarterback's in there. But I'm just interested to see how the competitiveness in that quarterback room looks in the spring. Because regardless, regardless of who is under center week one, you got a damn sure hope that there's some good competition in the spring and going into fall because you need these guys to be ready to go. And Sellers could be a guy that could be a hell of a quarterback when it's all said and done. How is he going to be heading into the first game of the season? Is he going to be ready to be the starting guy, which many, many people assume that he will be. Will he be ready to go out there and do something? He's going to, there's going to be growing pains naturally. I mean, it just comes with it, right? I'm not trying to be a Debbie down. There's going to be some growing pains with it, but how quickly can he overcome that? But I also think it goes back to what can Dow Loggins do based on the weapons that they have around him to be able to put him in a system that can help him and the offense as a whole be successful. So that's why when we mentioned some of the concerns, I agree with you. I mean, there's, we talk about all the time, you know, unproven talent, right? He's talented. Don't get it misconstrued. He's talented, but he hasn't been able to really prove himself. Yes, he was able to score. What was it? Three total touchdowns, two passings, and he also had a rushing touchdown. But that was in garbage time. Talk about unproven talent. He hasn't been able, and that's no fault of his own. So, yes, I also agree that that's a concern right there. Oscar Attaway. Junior yep. aren't with us. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Like, yeah. Big Red asks, could we pick up the fast-paced offense like Tennessee had a few years ago? And then also follows up with, is a two-quarterback system productive long-term? Um, big, or, Yeah, Mike, take it. You go. You looked like you had All something right. to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just on the second one, um, you know, the two quarterback system productive long term. No, I don't think it is. Um, right. I think you need one guy in there getting all the reps. 
growing up in South Bend as a Notre Dame fan, I've seen them try that, try this before, and it doesn't work every single time. Brian Kelly tried it, did not work. Um, so I mean, growing up seeing it everywhere, um, you know, it, it doesn't work unless you have like a plan for sellers, you know, a developmental plan for sellers to eventually replace Ashford. But like realistically, two quarterbacks in your system in your game plan from week one to week twelve or whatever, um, you know, I, I don't think it's productive long term at all. I think it's you know, extremely, you know, not beneficial for either quarterbacks, right? You want your your guy to be the guy, especially in the SEC, right? Um, because if you don't, guys are going to lose confidence. They'll get shaken, start a little bit. Um, and then also, Big Red, your second question. Yeah, I mean, I could see them going fast-paced. I don't know if they'll go completely NASCAR simply because of the depth that they have at offensive line, right? Because they aren't as deep as they have been in previous years. It's a lot of young, fresh bodies, which I guess could lean towards that. But um, I think in terms of, you know, where they were from an injury standpoint last year on the offensive line, I think fast pace, uh, you know, would lead to more injuries and then also kind of, I guess, potentially put them in a position um, like that. But yeah, I, I don't know. So let's, let's go back. To, let's go to that second question. And I say second one, the one that we just brought up, the fast pace. Oh, okay, yeah. The reason why I, I don't see it happening right away is just because, like we mentioned before, you're either going to have a young quarterback, whether that be Sellers or whether that be Reno, or you're going to have someone that's not used to the system. Obviously, Reno, that's, you know, double check mark there. Yeah. But, you you know, Bevel, Ashford. So I bring that up because I think at first, this is going to be an offense that they're going to want to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Now, can that speed up as the season goes on? Could they pick up the tempo? Could they pick up the pace? Certainly. Do I think they're close to being able to do what Tennessee was able to do in that temp tempo? Mm, no, not yet. It feels like it feels like they would like to do that at some point. There were rumbles heading into last year that I heard that South Carolina, that was what the goal was at first. Well, what happened? Well, left tackle goes down. Right tackle goes down, too between the spring game and the first game of the season. So it goes back to what we were talking about before, being able to cook with the ingredients that you have. You have to understand what's in your kitchen. You can't just go out there and say, okay, you know what, man, we're going to make this beautiful dinner. This is all you got. And I'm not saying that South Carolina is only a bowl of Fruit Loops and, and some milk, okay? Let's not get it misconstrued here when I'm using these analogies. They're just crappy analogies. Um, but – I also think, too, when we're talking about that wide receiver room, being able to find those six guys, those six guys, because South Carolina has talked about that in the past. Shane Beamer has talked about that the last two years. They want to head into a season, and they want to know, okay, who's our top six? And, of course, that top six can change over the course of the season. It could change from week one to week two, for crying out loud. Yeah. But I also think you want to make sure that everyone's on the same page. So I think early on, I can't see it. If the tempo does pick up, I don't think it will be close to what you're talking about with Tennessee. Yeah. But I think we could see an improvement of tempo throughout the course of the season. The second one that you mentioned, the two-quarterback oh, yep. system two long-term-wise, I can't see that being the case. I just can't. I know it's an old saying. It's a cliche. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I, I don't think it works. I that really don't. Now, having said that, could there be, and not saying that there's a situation in terms of the skill set that I feel like you would need it, but 
you look at last year what South Carolina did with Rattler and what they did with Sellers. Yeah, I get that. And DK in the past. Yeah, I get that. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't characterize that as a two quarterback system. When I'm thinking about a two quarterback system, I'm thinking these guys rotating, whether it be every series, whether it be, you know, two series each quarter, halves, whatever the case may be. But I, I don't think that will be the case. Yeah. Um, looks like Oscar Attaway Jr. Mr. Attaway, yeah, I appreciate it. In the comments by Craig asking, how's Oscar handling offseason workouts? And Oscar Attaway Jr. says, Oscar is working hard. He loves South Carolina and will be productive. Talked about Rocket Sanders' injury mm-hmm. being in that sling. It's going to give an opportunity to Oscar Attaway the third early on to be able to prove himself. And we've talked about this before. What Oscar is going to bring to the program, what he's going to be able to bring, it's not just someone that can run the football. We've talked about this before in the past. And Oscar Attaway Jr., you tell me if I'm wrong, based on my studies of him and talking to people close to the program. He's someone that's also a phenomenal blocker. He's also someone that can make a difference as a pass catcher, whether that be out in the slot, whether that be out in the perimeter. So I bring those things up on top of, and this is some things we've talked about before in the past, talking about the concerns at the wide receiver position as far as proven talent, as far as being at South Carolina, because you got some talented transfers that you just brought in. If you have any concerns about that, what can help out? Well, you have a loaded running back room right now. And if you feel like you can get some type of production, I'm not saying uh, Attaway is going to be out there on the perimeter in the slot uh, 10 times a game. That's not what I'm saying. But even just a couple snaps, whether it be two snaps a game, right? Just something. When you're able to do that, it takes that workload off just a little bit from that wide receiver room. It takes away, right? Not going to have to play as many wide receivers in terms of snaps. In addition to that, as we've brought up before in the past, you have some talented pass catchers in that tight end room. And if the offensive line, if the offensive line can come together in the manner in which I believe it can, based on the talent that's in that room, based on the depth in that room, it's going to free up some of those tight ends to be able to not have to block as much. And they'll be able to go out there on the perimeter. Or if they're still attached to the line, they're going to still be able to be more effective in the receiving game in comparison to a year ago. Uh, Oscar Attaway Jr., talking about his son, says he has great hands. And I stress to him, you have to protect your QB. No question. And, Joe, how many times we've talked about It's been a broken record on this program ever since Marcus Lattimore's talked about it. How do you stay on the field if you're a running back? How do you stick out? How do you earn that trust of the coaches? What is it, Joe? Pass blocking. Pass blocking. Pass blocking. Notice how much. More playing time. Oh, yeah. Mario Anderson earned a year ago once he proved to the coaching staff that he could block. And that's not saying that Mario couldn't, but once he was able to pick up. Yeah. So no question about it. No question about it. All right. A couple things, too, from uh, from the comment section. Then we'll wrap up today's show. South Carolina basketball in action in just, what, under three and a half hours? They're going to be at home tonight at CLA. We're going to have the post-game show tonight. Well, indeed, yeah. So tune in immediately after the game. 
as the Gamecocks look to earn their 20th win of the year. How crazy is that to say? 20th win of the year. We're only six days into February. They had 11 wins all of last season, so be sure to tune into that. All right, Travis says, Oscar Attaway the third. I like that. OA3. OA3. I, 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 I like that too, yeah. OA3. Put that on a T-shirt. NIL yeah. that. Uh, can catch and has good contact balance. He's also got sneaky speed. I guess he's a four-five-five guy, which is plenty fast enough for a back. Also coming back from an injury, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, or was a year ago. Got to go back. I mean, all these injuries, it feels like they pile up. But I say that because, you know, we talk about injuries, especially lower body injuries, and how guys now more than ever, it feels like that process is sped up in terms of their ability to be able to come back quicker and be bigger, faster, stronger, all the cliches that you typically would say, it's the mental hurdle more than anything. Mental hurdle. When you have a lower body injury, just coming over the mental side of it. So I I think he's someone, as we've talked about, he brings so much to the table, so much to the table. And when you look at that running back room, which really unique about it, Joe, it's not that you don't have guys that all do the same things. Now, They can all do similar things, but they all bring something different to the table. And I think about a good pitcher, right? Being able to have someone that, not just a good pitching staff, right? Good rotation, good bullpen. You don't just want guys that just throw fastballs. They're just righties, right? Right Right-handed pitchers, and they're just throwing fastballs, 98, 98, 98. You want to be able to change it up a little bit. You want to be able to bring in someone that's a lefty. You want to be able to bring someone in there that has a nice breaking ball, nice off-speed pitch that can bring something just different to the table. And that's what that running back room, at least right now on paper, looks like heading into the season. Big red ass. Could we bring in a two-back set and utilize more than one at a time? Maybe have a fullback in the game, add an extra blocker onto the field. So – it's an interesting point, Big Red, about the fullback, and you're not the only person that has brought this up, whether it be on social media, whether it be on the Insiders Forum and Gamecock Central. What it comes down to is, do they feel like they have that guy that they trust to be able to do that? And when I'm saying that, doing that, I'm talking about playing that fullback position. So that's what I would say with that. Someone like Nate Atkins from two seasons ago Right, comes in as a fullback, obviously played incredible on special teams. He was used in the backfield a little bit to play that fullback role. As far as two back sets, right? As far as two back sets at South Carolina, and when I'm saying two back sets, I'm not just talking about putting a fullback out there. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, we're talking about 21 personnel, 22 personnel. Um, could be 20 personnel where you have two running backs back there and you don't have a tight end, depending on, like I said, 20 personnel, 21, 22. You can have two running backs back there. You really can uh, because of the talent that they have. So I think what it comes down to, again, South Carolina has an idea of what they probably want to be able to do with the talent that they have in the running back room. But I also feel like they want to see – how that wide receiver room looks this spring. I mean, it's very intriguing. I mentioned the competition in the at the offensive line position. Very intriguing in the wide receiver room to see who those top six guys are. Once they figure that out, I think it's going to help them better understand, okay, 
these are our strengths. These are our weaknesses from a wide receiver standpoint. What can we do to help make that up? And I think, like we talked about before, maybe that means the tight ends go out for some more passes if they feel comfortable with the offensive line. Maybe you do bring in an extra running back and you have two, you know, a two running back set, 20 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel. So those are things that I would look at. Yeah. Travis makes a good point here. We've never had a thousand yard back without a fullback. It baffles me. Everyone didn't see this. And then also says OA three ran behind a fullback in high school and is built for downhill running. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, I did have a point on Oscar Attaway the third um, and I I've always been high up on him as soon as, you know, they started recruiting him. I thought he was one of the more slept on or better backs in the portal. Um, you know, he was getting attention, from a lot of different places, um, really versatile back and whatnot. And I'm not just saying that because his dad's here, obviously. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, could be a really, really big addition. I think he's going to – I mean, Rocket Sanders will obviously get the first crack at number one. But I think Oscar Adderley third has a very, very good chance of being the number one back. Um, if not, you know, I shouldn't say a second fiddle because it's not a second fiddle. Um, you know, he's he's playing alongside a Rocket Sanders Right. Um, and I think, you know, from top down, if, if you had to rank the running backs, I, I'd say it's Sanders, Attaway, um, McDowell, and then Jawan Howell as well. You added him from SC State as well, who, again, another guy with high upside. But, um, you know, I, I think Travis makes a good point. You need to have some kind of fullback, some kind of lead blocker, um, especially with, uh, you know, such a because you're like we mentioned the quarterback room, not a whole lot of experience in the QB room. Um, so, you need to get your run game off and running any, any way, shape or form. I think adding a fullback, uh, maybe first down sets. We know obviously Dow is a little bit more pro style offense too. So, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him on, on first or second down, but I think once you get, you know, third, second, third down, um, you know, down and distance also plays a big part in that. But um, yeah, Travis, interesting thought and, and good stat. Yep. Look at Travis and Oscar Attaway Jr. Yeah. Mucking it up here. In the comment section. We love it. We love it, love it, love it. And appreciate you tuning in, Mr. Attaway. Appreciate you, Travis. And appreciate everyone else that tuned in today as well. As we wrap things up, as we always do, Joe, tax season's right around the corner. I'm already making my phone calls. I'm already getting my tax list in line. If people are looking for someone to help them out with taxes this tax season, who should they give a call to? Yeah, Mike, our good friends over at Liberty Tax, as always. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. They're fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not, you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through their desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in and give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs, Mike. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond over at the Movement Mortgage. If you're interested in purchasing a home or you're looking at possibly buying one over the next couple months, well, you understand that for the last, what, two years, what it feels like more than anything, those rates have been absolutely insane. As those rates start to drop a little bit, 
you might be interested in purchasing your home or you might be in a rush and you're looking for the lowest rates. Well, give Clint a call. He can help you out the same way that he did with our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth. When both of those guys were purchasing homes for their families, give him a call over at 803-771-6933. Once again, that is Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. If you missed any of our show today, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. If you're not already a subscriber to the GC YouTube channel, why not just subscribe today? It's free. Just hit the little bell. And anytime one of these GC videos pop up, as well as any press conferences or any original content created by Gamecock Central, you'll be notified. It sends it right to your phone. Again, it is all free. Or if you're a podcast listener, Head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network wherever you download your podcast, and you'll be able to listen to these shows there as well. In addition to that, you'll also be able to catch the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour that takes place daily on 107.5 The Game, as well as any Garnet Trust interviews. I think we covered a lot today, Joe. We did. Yeah, we did. It was it was a pretty good show, Mike. Obviously, a, a little you know football in the afternoon before we talk about hoops tonight should be fun on the GC Live post game show. No doubt about it. Again, the GC Live post game show coming up immediately after the game tonight as South Carolina men's basketball look for to earn their twentieth win on the year, and more importantly than that, first time playing ranked. They are ranked for the first time in seven years, 364 weeks for those of you who have been keeping score at home. We'll catch you immediately after the game. Gamecocks taking on the Rebels, 6.30 tip-off, believe on the SEC Network. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate everyone that tuned in for this show. We'll catch you tonight after the basketball game.